right, welcome back indeed. Episode number 74, Razzball Fantasy Basketball Podcast, son and Joel, and a special guest edition. Um, the funny thing is, the last episode we had was the Joel Coronation Pod for winning the, you know, 32-team 30 uh, salary cap league. This week, it's another Coronation Pod. We're going to slobber over the exploits of one Michael Kimball. Uh, I had him on the pod last year. Uh, he gave some excellent insight into writing and, and things of that nature. Uh, and I'm bringing him on this week. Well, actually, he earned his right onto the pod this week for uh, taking down the Raz Jam this year. So uh, before we do all the slobbering and all that stuff, uh, let's check in. Michael, um, thanks again for joining us. What's going on? Thanks for having me. Um, beautiful day here on the mountain. Um, just, uh, yeah, sort of going a little crazy because there aren't as many moves to make or lineups to set or <laughs> uh, any, any of that. So uh, this is a tough time of year for me when uh, the regular season's over. Uh, but yeah, things, things, things are good. No, that's awesome. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I can't wait to kind of, uh, you know, talk about, I guess, you, the journey, your thinking, uh, your process, uh, just, just you know, just going through the whole experience uh, must have been amazing. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, Joel, what's going on with you, man? Well, I'm doing okay, man. I, I feel uh, I feel bad for all four of our listeners because most of the time they have to listen to me just like, screaming about how miserable i am in milwaukee but like <laughs> it's it's spring the sun is out there are like leaves that are happening i'm a really happy guy this is <laughs> my, michael's sad that there's no basketball i actually am kind yeah. of enjoying the, the leaves, so i'm yeah. doing well no doubt okay so um all right let's get the slobbering on uh kimball basically dominated the raz jam this year i guess for some context um since the Raz Jam has been going on, his teams have actually always been pretty competitive. I think you've been you've been in the mix pretty much every year since the inception, right? Well, I, I didn't do the first one. I've only done this the the two, and the those are in, uh, the last two, and those are were um, the, the the first and second roto leagues I've ever played in in my life and drafted for. Like it's. It doesn't make sense to me either. You know, I was doing really well last year. I had a bunch of injuries. KD went down. Yeah. I had a massive lead, and I just watched my team just fall week after week after week until I was, you know, in the back half of the top 10 or something. Uh, and it, it it was a really annoying way to lose, I have to say. <laughs> okay, so, so before we get into Redemption. that. Because uh, I know you've been playing fantasy for a while, um, mainly head-to-head points. Almost all head-to-head, a little bit of points. Um, I do some dailies when I when I have the feelings uh, for it, uh, all, all of that. Um, and you know, I, a lot of head-to-head. I had for the longest time only ran um, punt teams. Uh, I was punting a minimum of one category, sometimes up to four, in a severely competitive league. Um, uh, you know, some insane stuff like that. But um, there, a buddy in the league who who writes for uh, um, Rasball, uh, Jalen Utsi, yeah. 
he he want he was like, I want to run an efficiency team. How do I do that? And so I broke it down for him. I gave it to him. I'm like, here you go. I don't think it's gonna work, but you do. And he went and did that. This would have been, I guess, a year, a couple of years ago. He did that. Created a really great team that did well. He got unlucky in the playoffs. I think came in second. But I was just dumbfounded that it it worked as well as it did. Um, and I re- and so I've switched in head to head. I've switched almost every league I play into an efficiency build, um, which is essentially what Roto is is an efficiency build. Sure. And so. Yeah, that's 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 my one method. It works almost everywhere in any format. Um, so so break it so break it down for for those that aren't familiar with the efficiency build. Uh, so yeah, break down what that is, and then go into why exactly you wanted to, you know, go transition into that direction. Yeah. So it, it, my thinking for it started. Um, because I would get my butt kicked at the end of every season with injuries or, um, you know, now resting is, is more of a factor than injuries are, but they're still both problematic. If you're trying to win a head to head matchup and one of your key guys goes out. And my thinking was that it was harder to replace that. If you needed them in a category you know, toward the end of the season. So my idea was build the efficiency team. Whoever goes down goes down, but it's much easier to pivot or that creates your punt when that guy goes down or when that. And so you just, and so in head to head, it allowed me to be viable longer to have chances at winning things that I might not have if I was already in a punt. So it all just started there getting and then getting familiar with um, efficiency players. I mean, players who are efficient, which, you know, a nine cat is going to include not just the percentages, but also the turnovers. It can be significant there. And Raz Jam, we don't count turnovers. So you could sort of throw that that bit out. But um for me, the percentages in Roto, which came right out of the efficiency um, builds in head-to-head, the the percentages there were really key um, to 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 my build, and so it's one of the first things I focus on. Percentages. I will not draft anybody that will hurt me significantly in either of them. So no Trey Young. So you're not you're not drafting Trey Young. No Trey Young. No no Trey Young. Um, <laughs> You know, I, I was pissed about Jaron Jackson this year. He went from like 41% to 51. And it's just like, you know, he's a guy I've always loved as a, as a, as a real player to watch and all of that. Um, I have had to stay away my entire life, you know, as long as he's been playing anyway, um, because of his terrible, terrible field goal percentage. And now here he is, um, uh, one of the best players in the game because his, Field goal percentage went up ten percentage points. Yeah, he's been great. I mean, I Jaron Jackson is definitely a guy that I want to talk about over the off season because, like, I'm Stan and I did a um, a mid season draft, and Jackson went like fifteen overall. And I remember when that happened, I was like, that seems pretty high. Feels like you're reaching for blocks, and it really doesn't look like that at all anymore. It seems like that's who he is now. Uh, I can feel myself already like 
because I'm someone who really struggles with uh, reaching for specialty stats, like yeah. seeing those blocks and seeing him as a second rounder and like, okay, let's go do it. But <laughs> uh, Go against your principles. It sounds like. It's just, it, it's too hard to recover from that at his volume. Um, yeah. you, you know, same for Trey, same for a lot of guards. Um, and you, you know, free, free throw percentage can be even tougher in those terms. But, um, you know, when you're, I guess when you're approaching the draft for any league with those guys, it's also key to get it done. The percentages really are. Um, you'll find some late free throw percentage. You'll find some late field goal percentage. But um, even if you're looking at the top 10 guys, there are a lot of players that I'm not going to take if yeah. I can avoid it. Um, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, I, I don't. I went ahead and like it was harder to track because we have Fab this year. But I, yeah. I pulled your roster, the end roster, and what you. I mean, what you've described is obviously what you ended up doing. Um, that collection of centers that you have, Embiid, Aiton, Zubach, like that's your. I like them a lot. Your, yeah, <laughs> you get really solid uh, I mean, field goal percentage. The free throws are good. Like that's that's a really nice group for an efficiency build. Embiid was truly the key there, and I worried all season about him getting hurt. But his volume at that his percentages for both field goal and free throw is really what carried. The, the, this team and they're like, even if you look at Jokic, you're not going to get the same volume and better field goal, but the free throw, um, well, great isn't what Embiid was doing at his volume. I want to say 860 at 12 free throws a game, something like that. Um, so yeah, having his value established a really high sort of standard for those categories and basically i could run anyone else in so like there were points in the season i got in trouble with with injuries for guards for forwards i was running killian hayes a bunch and not worrying about it and it worked out really well because i never would have said that could happen but it did (laughs) so yeah no no that's the beauty that's the beauty of having the efficiency foundation is that you can buttress uh, Killian Hayes later, right, in the draft, or you know you can utilize him later. And I think I've I've definitely become a lot more uh, cognizant of that. Um, you know, you know, you know. What's funny is uh, a few years ago, potting with you and Jalen. Um, so it must have been two years ago. I remember you guys were uh, really focused on the. Uh, the all-around bigs, so the early bigs, the Cats, the Embiid's, and I remember both you guys wanted to lock up two, and I think, you know, like Jalen was, you know, kind of uh, asking you for advice on something like that, so both of you guys were like, yeah, let me, I want to lock up, if I can, lock up two bigs, because the two-center requirement uh, with, you know, the kind of Embiid-Cat type guys, and then you guys went from there, and then I remember you guys both did pretty well that year, um, and then, you know, you said that injuries, you know, kind of like, uh, messed you up that first year. So I guess my question is, your experience, because two years ago was your first time in Roto, and then going this one, you obviously won it all. Did you make any adjustments from your one year to the next? And then, you know, like, what what did you learn? What did you apply? Things like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, my big adjustment was, I, I guess, pre-draft strategy. I don't, I don't know if that's what we call it. But 
um, seeing my seeing the team go down to injuries, uh, basically, um, I my my big shift this year was to um, basically all of my early season evaluations for the Raz Jam were total stats, not not you know average game. So I was very much. <laughs> I was yeah. very, oh, this, that's crazy. I went back and I listened. I, I didn't listen to the pod you did with him then. Yeah. And I should have, because he would have told me to do exactly yeah. that. Yeah. And I was listening to it a while because I, I was watching Rocco run me down this year. He got really close. And I was terrified because I had watched him do it last year. <laughs> to everybody. Me too. Oh, no, man, I'm done. I'm done here. I don't even know how this guy's doing it, but he just keeps racing up the board, and I couldn't, you know. Um, but yeah, that um, changing, you know, looking for games played, um, that helped a huge amount. I had Mikhail Bridges. He's one of my guys. He's always my guy. Like, and he way outperformed his draft position yet again. Like <laughs> he. You, you know, he does it every single year. No one seems to believe it. I think people will believe it now. But, um, uh, you know, having him, uh, somebody like Brunson, um, you know, who are just going to play. I was worried about Embiid, but he was absolutely my best choice at, I, I think I was the five uh, pick. Uh, he was absolutely the best guy on the board. I think four took KD, which made my decision easier. Like, do I draft Katie again? Do I not? I was worried about that. Um, so I was happy to get Embiid and go with him. Um, I ended up drafting a bunch of guys that sort of outperformed draft position because Embiid did. You got Markin and, and Bridges. Bridges. You know, like how do you beat that? Markin and Bridges. Olinick. Brunson. Yeah, Brunson. Olinick did well Olenek. for his spot. Brunson did. Bolts did extremely Bolts, well yeah. for his spot. Yeah. Hayes. I had already mentioned Kyle Anderson and two guys. Oh, these are Rocco guys. I think I'm not sure <laughs> if he would say this, but after listening to his pod, these last three guys all outperformed, all played with some regularity on my Raz Gem team. But slow mo Kyle Anderson, uh, Drew Eubanks, and Kenyon Martin yeah. all gave me stats no um, here when I was you know using them to fill in for others too. So um, th- those are really big. Um, and it is different with the, uh, the, the FAAB this year. I went back and looked, I thought that it helped me. Eh, not so much. I don't think I used it as well, but the one guy who actually helped was Nemhard. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Nemhard was great. I want to, Nemhard was a guy that San, I, I, is, we have a running like list of notes for our podcast Okay. He's been on there for like three episodes. It's like, we're going to talk about Andrew Nemhard one of these days. But um, they, I, he was notable for me when I was looking at your roster because he was one of the few rookies that you had. It doesn't seem like – it seems like, you know, if we're talking about like Rocco principles, like the more established players are where you where you lean. Well, the, the issue um, – and, you know, this hurts in dynasty leagues, keeper leagues, some of those sorts of things. But the issue with rookies is their percentages are nuts. Like as as a group, they're unpredictable. Um, you can have like uh, I'm trying to think of who, I'm not a rookie, but in in one of my um, bigger head-to-heads, I was running Trey Jones in a couple of leagues, 
you know, he was projected to be a, a 50% free uh, field goal percentage um, preseason. I can't remember what he ended up, but he definitely wasn't close. <laughs> no, it wasn't that. It I, wasn't, wasn't I want to say it was 44 or something like that. I can't remember now. But um, with younger players, it's just much harder to track that. So like Rocco, I'm often going – I'm going for upside, but I'm approaching it in the Rocco upside way rather than the rookie young guy upside way. And I did that in a few places like, um, you know, Hayes had had some decent summer league um, and uh, it was a FIBO last summer. You know, there was some buzz around him. It seemed like Killian could do something. Then he looked like trash early in the season and it was only because Cade went down that happened. Um, but somebody like Fultz, looking around at the preseason projections, a lot of guys didn't have him starting. They had Cole Anthony as the season-long starter, and I was just like, I don't see it. Like, Cole Anthony is not a starter in the NBA. <laughs> and Martel Fultz is, and it's going to happen. Yeah. And people, like, I took him everywhere, basically, and it, yeah. and it paid off because no, nobody was on that one. Um yeah, no, that's great. So, did you do you do your own projections, or which projections are you looking at? I don't do my own. Um, I, I use Basketball Monster, um, but I look around at other things too. I really miss Roto Evil. Could somebody talk to Eric Wong about that and get um, uh, Roto Evil back for us? I, I would yeah, love I don't, for that. I don't think I don't think it's gonna come back. I don't. know. We'll see though, because. Uh, that was the best. Yeah. That was the. I, I think if I could pick one thing to use, it, it would it, it would have been that. But um, he's the goat for a reason. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not using my own, but I am. I I, I do spend a lot of time looking at um, rosters, minutes breakdowns, just trying to pick out who those guys are that could make those jumps. Um, and yeah, like one of my main head to head, my friend head to head league where Jalen plays and um, Kyle, if you remember Kyle, I do. Uh, you, you know, we play deep there. We're 14 by 14 with three um, IL or IL pluses. So we like there are 225 players in play. And honestly, just like having that background helps me a huge amount when it comes to something like Raz Jam. Like when, when we're getting deep into that, there's always somebody I'm happy to draft uh, for at sure. that point that, that just is still on the board. Yeah, for sure. I'll... Yeah. I was looking at your roster. I'm sorry. No, sorry. no, go for it. Um, no, I, to, I was looking at the roster and I did a dumb thing and compared it against mine of just like, how, how many ways did he beat me? <laughs> um, but one of the things that, that really struck me was like the back end of your draft is so solid. I don't know if there were a lot of like, wasted picks um you know you mentioned kj martin uh aj griffin was a guy that you got late that gave you good value uh isaiah joe kcp yeah uh, like there was yeah. there were a lot who was out here drafting ty ty washington <laughs> <laughs> really screwed this up you guys that's i mean i he um yeah we we've seen flashes from him but that's also a situation I don't know. I was just staying away from most of the rockets in a, in, in a way, as as others seem to be since Martin was just sort of, you know, 
sitting there late, late in the draft. Um, but I knew him to have value from, from, you know, the silly season at the end of previous, uh, the, the last year. So, um, field goal bonus for sure and blocks for that matter like, and decent rebounds sometimes and yeah yeah so it's um he'll make a three um might get an assist or two but not many but yeah he you know for a back-end guy i'm i'm very happy to have those stats are you do you, do you, do you focus at you all stay focused no sir sir go um uh, okay um do you focus or chase stats or categories or are you more a playing time and opportunity i'm i'm an all you can get guy <laughs> like, <laughs> like i am uh uh every turn i'm just getting all i can get so like if you had to break down my strategy i'm looking for field goal percentage free throw percentage and everything else i can get <laughs> and um, you know, I, I like full stat lines and you can find those guys yeah. deep. You just have to open yourself up a little because sometimes it'll look like that's not much, but if you're picking a guy who's, I don't know, 120, 150, and he's giving you a little something like a guard giving me a little extra block, uh, a guard who rebounds, a big, I guess, you know, three assists, like some of that stuff's gold. It, it looks marginal, but. Uh, it sure adds up. So just, you know, I'm just trying to fill every stat and not get hurt. The, um, the overall like category points speak to that too. I was looking at, so not only we, if we're going to like actually like fet you, like let's do this correctly. Uh, this, this team of yours scored 651 and a half points, which is 25 points clear of second. More than 30 points clear of four. Um, it's also better than it's better than Racco's team that won last year's Raz Jam by almost 12 points. And your weakest category was rebounds, where you finished 15. Like uh, the, uh, the rest threes. of Oh, threes. Yeah, excuse me. You're right. You were mid pack in threes, but like 12th in points, third in dimes, third in steals, 12th in blocks, eighth in field goal, 13th for free throw. Like you you were out there looking for everything, and I think you found it. <laughs> so the the one category I was weak on, um, I was 50th, was threes. Mm-hmm. And part of that's a function of finding guards uh, with a high field goal percentage. But part of it's also just looking for field goal percentage. Yeah. Um, you know, a significant number of threes um, hurt that. Uh, but that was my only category. I actually, I, I went in and looked at some of our I actually did it for you guys too. I just went in and looked at the category, sort of where it landed, where. And so I was weak there. Um, Ryan Turner, who uh, finished second, was third to 14th for six of the categories, but 38th in field goal, 64th in free throw. Um, but like he he was a monster in a bunch of this other stuff. Um, Eric Wong was also really high. And if you just looking at the efficiency of his, or let's say, looking at the placement in each of his categories, he probably, Eric Wong probably did the best at using, at spreading all, all of his value among the categories. Like he has the lowest range for all eight out of anybody I saw in the top 10, uh, which I think is a significant. It hurt me 
Um, when I went back and looked at last year's RAS Jam, the placing in all eight categories, I had a lot greater divergence. Um, and like I topped out, I want to say, what was it? I topped out in some, oh, I topped out in blocks last year. I was first. I think maybe you don't even want to be first in any category. Yeah. I think, you know, I, I, I did a tiny bit of math. If you're 15th in every category, yeah. it comes out to 656 points. It's 82 for each cat. Like, that's pretty good if you can, like, you don't have to top out. Yeah. You're really, yeah. the, the idea is to have perfect balance. That's the best way to spread the value. Definitely. That's what Rudy Rudy does really well with, uh, especially with his war room. And granted, he's more baseball focused, but you know it's definitely applicable here. And you know he just basically like his benchmarks. Uh, I forgot what he uses. That he used to go like third, placing third in every, but I think he dropped it down to like uh, fifth or sixth. So basically, what's the you know fifty percent mark? And then and then from there, right? You know, he kind of tweaks with the algorithm and stuff like that. But yeah, but basically he's just like, yeah, just want to be up to this level across the board, right? And then once you have that, you give yourself a solid foundation and then it's a puncher chance and then it comes down to, you know, certain guys exceeding expectation and things like that. So yeah, I'm a, I'm with you and I think Rudy uh, would definitely, uh, you know, advocate that as well because that's pretty much how he, you know, creates his warm yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, ultimately that question is simple math. You have this many points, yeah. you want to di divide it up evenly in all of the categories, or if not evenly in terms of points in all the categories, the, the, there is a a line you could draw through each category where the balance is, where it's not as worthwhile to chase the person in front of you. Um, you, you know, there's a point where that happens. Um, and this, yeah, this avoids that. So do so do you eschew specialists? Uh, I often, often I do. I just, I, I, I tend to not um, go that way unless I need to. Yeah. Uh, there are a couple guys I drafted with the hopes that they would be specialists. Um, uh, I want to say, Gary, I think Gary Payton I picked up with it on the free agent budget. Um, there's somebody else I had picked up for steals that way. Um, they, in my experience, the probability of them working isn't always high. Yeah. yeah. I reached for Alex Caruso this year. I, I know how that was. was the other one, I think. I don't know if it was here. Anyway, yeah. But he did not work often. Like, I, I was running him on, you know, just a, um, a streaming him in on a lot of head-to-heads and he, he brushed me over and over so yeah i remember in the draft room i was really excited because i was on the clock like right around the ball injury update came out and mm -hmm. like, oh, I, can, I can get ac in the 12th and it's going to change everything yeah yeah just not the way i wanted it. <laughs> uh, yeah when, when you're putting your team together as you're drafting you know like you said that you want to you're looking at efficiency first and then everything else. Um, but, and talking about like the larger dynamics of like not trying to be too far out in front in one category. Are you conscious of where you're weak and where you're strong as you're building it and you try to like keep it in line or do you, are you comfortable getting out ahead in a cat knowing that you can come back later and sort of buttress it from, from other picks? I tend to 
I mean, this is going to sound terrible, um, but I tend to not look at him. <laughs> Just a natural. Well, I know who my guys are. I know what they do. And, like, it's just going to be a relentless version of that all season long. Like, that, that's my mode is to just keep bringing every, everything I can. And so, you know, if we were looking at a games played league, um, I, I did play, uh, besides the two RAS jams I've played, this year I played two Rotos on Yahoo. And, you know, having the games played change that in a significant way, um, I should have been paying much more attention to it. I could have made some moves that would have helped me. Um, but, uh, you know, with something like Raz Jam, I tend to not worry about it. I did get extremely worried about it in the last maybe three weeks. Um, people were moving up the board quite a bit. Um, and there, there was a day, I want to say it was a Thursday with a short schedule and, and, I'm not sure I'll be able to remember the numbers exactly, but I want to say um, Rocco moved up like seven points and I dropped seven and a half in one day. And I hit my, like my 20, I had a, what was it? I had a 21 point lead and it dropped to seven. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, what, what just happened? And this was when, oh, it was the, um, indeed had be had been out, um, he had played a couple games, I want to say maybe a Thursday, Saturday, back-to-back or something, and he was out the first half of that week. Wasn't clear when he was coming back. He came back that weekend and played, but I, like, I was seeing it crumble really fast. So I actually went in and looked for the first time all season at the categories. I noticed Rocco had passed me in two individual categories on that day. So I set up my next lineup to take him back, and then I never saw Rocco again for the rest of the, <laughs> the, rest of the days. <laughs> but that was the only time I needed to do something. But I, I did look, and I did, because who else? There were, there were a couple of people chasing me down. Rocco almost caught me. Um, Eric Wong had been moving up the board. Ryan Turner uh, was there all season. Um, and... Um, I was trying to remember. Oh, it was Wesley Chang had been leading for most of the season. He led for yeah. the, maybe the first half, kind of like I did the season before. Yeah. He had KD. KD went down, and and I, I want to say two weeks later, I picked up thirty points on him in a week, and that was sort of it right there. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Um, I don't look. I should look. I recommend looking. You would play better <laughs> if you look. But I also had too many other leagues. I was just, you know, you know um, yeah. You, you know, like yeah, Joel no, said, I, you're uh, natural. You know, you're just, you're too good. Inherently, you know, right? You know, the, you have a pulse on it, so. Well, you, I mean, you guys have, stand, like, you can look at anybody's stat line, right, and say, okay, that's above the mark I want for this, it's below for this, this gets me what I want, and rebounds and assists, but there's a hole here. Like, you, you, I mean, you can do that with anybody, right? I think I think I can to a degree, um, but I, I don't feel too comfortable. Well, maybe now I feel a little bit more comfortable, but in the past, that's why I was trying to replicate Rudy's war room. To kind of give me, because that, like when I do baseball and I, I, I use that tool, uh, man, it really keeps me on track, you know, and I wanted to try to replicate for, for hoops and I think it really helps. But, you know, the problem 
of doing that, like especially like that type of stuff, a lot of it depends on projections and input, right? So if the inputs and projections are wrong, yeah, then it sure. really doesn't matter, right? But, um, you know, like that's why, man, I, I have so much respect for Rocco because not only is he skilled, but the dude is a fucking grinder because he's playing like a ton of leagues, maybe 30, 40 leagues, but he's spreadsheeting every single one of them, right? So he... You know, talking to him, he's just imp- he, really? yeah. He puts he inputs everything into every league, and so you know, it's just like holy fuck, right? So um, he's definitely on a different level when it comes to that shit. You know, I'm just can't no. do it. No, no, I uh, yeah. As someone, I think that what you said earlier about like playing in a deeper league really like gets you in that sort of yeah. understanding, like just knowing the pool better is such a is so valuable i find so yeah son has like a a draft tool that he has shared with me in the past and i have found that i am way reliant on that uh to my own detriment like i really i need to just know this better and so when you're saying like you can look at a line and see if you're plus or minus where you need to be i feel like i know some of that and like just the more that i play and the more that i play in deeper leagues you have a much better understanding of like just where the where the stuff come from and what the line needs to be uh i think that your depth of experience is is really serving you well here i mean that it is a huge difference to just sort of have those guys in your head that deeper leagues a keeper league so we're also looking at guys not just for the value of that season but coming seasons and it really does change how you look at it when i started playing fantasy one of the things it was really difficult for me to do was simply make a decision, any decision, you know, from the draft to the free agent uh, wire to, to, you know, labor wire, you know, anything at all. Like making a decision was truly baffling to me. I just didn't know. We're like, well, there's that, but there's also that and there's that. And or you could do this or you could, you know, you can go any number of ways, but. Honestly, switching, you know, all credit to Jalen for figuring this out, but just being able to think that way clarifies all of the other decisions. Like, that's, it's, it's one decision point now. And you, like, like, it helps, you, you know, if you're streaming guys in head to head leagues, it works there. If you're looking at the, you know, who's available as a free agent in Raz Jam, you're going to be able to identify the best person left, which isn't going to be great, but, <laughs> but you know, might be usable somehow. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you're talking to the guy who blew $10 of his fab budget on bowl bowl in the first window. So, you oh, know, you we're it all on one. I, well, cause I, I got I did, one for whatever it's worth. Oh, uh, well, it did, <laughs> that's a better buy than pretend. Certainly. <laughs> I, I had screwed up. I had gone a, um, I'd gone a no centers lineup essentially, which really put me behind the eight ball for blocks. In rest, Jim? Yeah, it was a, it was a bad year, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason we're talking to you and not talking to me. You know? <laughs> what, you, but you decided to do that or it kind of happened sort of best available and. Um, it was a reflection initially of draft position. I was drafting at the turn. Um, and so I went, I went guard, guard. And then I was just like hoping that the center that I wanted would fall. Um, and the center that I wanted never fell. 
Um, and so I went into the season with JaVale McGee as the second starting center, which just like obviously did not go the way that it needed to go. I mean, a lot of people made that pick though. And yeah. it seemed like it could, like everything we knew at that point, it was a good decision, honestly. Like I, I, yeah. I wouldn't have questioned it, but yeah, it didn't. Yeah. I guess that's the problem when that one doesn't work. Now what? Like, yeah. Yeah. So I was really hurting for blocks and this is the, the time when bowl was going nuts. And um, yeah, I, not only did I need centers, I also needed forwards. I drafted a really bad team. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, the, the, what you're saying about like just being able to, to stay flexible, I find is really valuable. I would not recommend having all of the, all of your fab committed because as you say, like, you know, they're not going to be great players, but as you get deeper into the season, just being able to make a pivot to someone who can give you something is really, really valuable. Well, I even wish I would have held some of my fab for the last two weeks. I didn't thinking like, oh, I'm just going to get these last couple of guys in for whatever they can give me. I know they're playing. Um, I'm trying to remember who they were. I want to say and my, uh, Isaiah Joe was one of my fabs, I think. He was just sitting out there all year. Um, I think he was my next to last. And I want to say a Kogi was my, my very last and he helped some, but he was already sort of dwindling at that point to his now almost no minutes a game. <laughs> um, uh, um, whatever that mirage he was playing and sort of disappeared yeah. and he went back to his true self. But, yeah. um, yeah, that does, um, yeah, it, it, it certainly does change. The, and I think it was a great addition. Like, I, you, you know, I, I hated last season with those injuries. Like, I could barely field a lineup that was healthy with, you know, mostly starting players at, at yeah. different points last season. Uh, but this season, that net almost happened. Um, but um, I really would, I think there is some value in saving out a pick or two for that guy nobody ever thinks is going to play toward the end who ends up playing, whether it's, I don't know, Trendon Watford or, <laughs> you know, I had Eubanks already for exactly that purpose. Oh, and I man. wasn't sure Nurkic could, could really play all season anyway. Um, but uh, yeah, I wish I would have saved some more. And I think I could have used it I should have used it more early and I should have saved some to use late. Like I, I missed some of the early folks uh, just because I felt pretty good about what I had. And, but I, I, I should have been in there earlier. I think it was a miss for me to not have done that. And I, I had mentioned, you know, Rocco closed the gap on me really hard 10 days from the end. It was a seven point difference. And then we had a big flip over the next couple of days. Um, where I, the lead bounced back and he must have had some injuries because he sort of dropped off. But I was still terrified I was going to lose in the last week uh, based on, you know, I've just seen it happen. You've both seen people make massive moves up the board or down the board. And I just didn't know how to read it. Um, by the time we got to the last few days and had the last lineup set, I'm like, I think I have this, but I'm just not saying anything yet. And I really, and then I realized, we all had so many of our best players not playing that there's simply not even enough volume to make up many spots in that last, in that last week. So 
I guess yeah. I think we used a sigh of relief with that realization, but it was it was terrifying to sit there just wondering can you run down? <laughs> just waiting for the predators here. Yeah, I I think that's really smart now that you you mention it because like because we know how the NBA season ends. Yeah. Like it's it's not a it's not a surprise anymore when you know you're yeah. pulling up G League guys and so saving some dollars for the end because this because this is all the way. I know I mean I mean, there are a whole bunch of guys like that you can pick that would give you serious value there when nobody else is earning value. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we go through game 82. Like, yes, you have to have some foresight now that, now that you're doing it. Uh, yeah, as someone who, like, was thrilled about a Yudoka as a Buke pickup, like, it's uh, <laughs> it's really you get you get into the weeds towards the end. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about blocks um, okay. because I because I always get them wrong and you got them right <laughs> and you got them right here. You finished twelfth in blocks, so it's sort of right right where we were talking about right with uh, sort of not wanting to be too far out in front. And there were only two guys on the roster, I guess three, um, who played a lot of minutes and averaged more than a block a game. Uh, I don't know if I've got a smart question here other than like, uh, what, what are you, what are you thinking about when it comes to blocks because they're the rarest stats and and how do you go about putting them together? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm looking, um, you know, I, I, I would love to have specialty blocks guy here, but, um, my feeling is you're probably not getting as much total value with that player out of that draft spot. Um, so some of what I'm doing here is picking up these sort of glue guys um, mm-hmm. that give you a lot of stats. Uh, not as and, and so where I'm grabbing those, I'm not as worried about points as maybe some other managers are. And so I think I'm finding some value that uh, other people are just kind of leaving on the board there. So even though I don't have a huge blocks guy, um, I guess you were referring to Embiid, Zubach, Zubach and McDaniels and McDaniels. Um, Eubanks might have averaged over a block a game. Oh, he did. Yeah, I submitted him because his playing time was less than the others. But but I was playing him a fair amount. You know, I've got other guys here. I have to break it down. But um, Fultz as a guard often re- has rebounded and blocked better than some others. Um, I have Kyle Anderson who was getting helping me there. Olinick was, Bridges was, uh, Martin too. was. Um, you, you know, I had a but. Oh, Patrick Beverly was a, a pre uh, was a fab pickup. Um, he didn't really help much, uh, but I was getting a little bit of that from everybody, and I think that's how I got there because I wasn't targeting it specifically. But I do think there's more value in lower points guys in the back end of the draft than there is in points guys who have sort of those empty lines. Like, you know, there are players I just like, you know, Mothrin, um, you know, people love him. I, I look at that line and it drives me nuts. Like, I just can't even. I couldn't even look at it consistently day after day, seeing how empty it is on the back end. So there are just guys like that I can't pick, but 
I love Kyle Anderson. (laughs) He was so good this year. He was an amazing. Rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks. Not the greatest with free throw, but he's getting you field goal. Like, it's just he he fills it up in other ways. So, yeah, yeah, just finding those guys that that give you a little of everything, it truly adds up. For sure. How are you you approaching uh, points early on? Are you trying to build a big points base as well to kind of buttress later? I, I wasn't. I, I do need to do that to some extent because it can be a bit of a weak point for me. Mm-hmm. Um, points, points always are, and I'm used to playing in leagues where most managers overvalue points. So I'm happy to go with a points punt or even just just be low in it. Um, but you know, knowing that points is something that comes off the board early, at least for my first. Six picks generally. I'm picking guys who do score those points. I hope. Um, Chris Paul will be an exception. Sometimes there'll be another guy I'll put in there just because I, I like the, the, the range of stats they bring. Um, but, uh, not, yeah, I mean, it sounds terrible, but I'm just, I don't look all that hard. I'm like, 18's <laughs> pretty good right there. I'm <laughs> like, that, that, that's really the decision-making process. I, I, I feel as if I should be much more fine about this, but it really is. You're talking to two guys who consistently think themselves into just like the worst possible outcomes. So I think the sort of being a little bit wider in your, in your sort of aperture and being like, you know, this, is this player a good player? Are they going to give me the things across the board that I need? Because it is Roto. All of them count. Like, I think the the wide lens is is useful. And I, I want to add a I don't know if this is a caveat or just a perspective point to this too because one I, I was just looking at categories I was looking at the top ten ish um, from this last season um, out of the let me see I wrote it down out of the top ten uh, the, for the top ten players not saying this right the the out of the top ten players, six of them finished in the top twelve for points. Mm. It was the one category that seemed to indicate success more than any other category. And so the one person who didn't really play there, um, uh, who Rocco was a little low. He was twenty sixth. And Keith Cork, um, I just know the name, but I see it everywhere, was 48. Um, yeah. And so those two guys were sort of the, the outliers there. Um, seventh place was 22nd in points, and 10th place was 30th in points. But if you could pick one cat that sort of indicates doing well elsewhere, it's points. Mm-hmm. So it it does have some at least soft correlations going on, um, yeah. So it was and, and it and it did strike me. Where was it? I can't find it now. But I do. There there was in looking at some of the other teams and how they did. Um, you know, I had three. I was low in threes, but it really didn't affect me anywhere else. Um, some others had were low in sort of stats that could have been connected. You know, they were low in assists. Um, 
and then also in steel, say, or, you know, the small guy stats, the big guy stats. So you were seeing those correlations. If you can avoid that in this, it, like it's a huge boon um, to be able to do that. So threes is a weird thing that you can sort of get by with a, a, a medium amount of and still do fairly well. It works in head to head, too. It's often a weak point for me. Yeah, I think points. Yeah, Sun and I. Are, yeah, no, sorry. I think points. Yeah, there's definitely correlation for other you know categories because most of the high point scores guys are high usage guys. Um, and then you know obviously when they have the ball in their hands, you know they're doing stuff. There's more opportunities for you know assists and, and things like that. Whereas you know the caveat is obviously the the high three point shooters you know that can get high and, you know whatever they they score points. But a lot of times like they're just so inconsistent. Right, the usage rate is low, so um, I do true. think there's some correlation right. in that. Right. Uh, my bad, Joel. What were you gonna say? We was gonna make that exact same. Point. We, we are kindred uh, spirits, so you know, the, I, the, I, I, you know. <laughs> we we keep on making the same mistakes, and also I learned how to play fantasy basketball from you, so you know there really just isn't much separation here. You're kind of talking to the same um, guy. So, so here's um, my main question for you, uh, Kimball. Um, you know, like a lot of your, I guess, style predicated on the, the, the bigs, right? Starting off having that foundation, the fix. So I guess my question would be, would you, would you start your draft with a Shea or like a Tyrese Halliburton over like an Embiid or, you know, KD or something like that or no? Yeah, I, I, I okay. would. Um, there are a couple of head to head leagues where like my draft position for, I played 10 leagues last year, this season. My highest draft position was, I think four. Like I never, I was, and so I ended up at 12 in a couple and, um, I, I did. I want to say I had a couple with Miss Hurt a lot. I had a couple with Cat and Halliburton. Uh, that were last pick, first pick. Um, uh, it turned out, whoa, in our All-Stars League, Stan, um, uh, the Z- yeah, yeah. Zaya, Zaya. You know, that's a tough league, man. That, he put that league together. is tough. That was yeah. so tough. I was, so I was on the back end. I, um, and I ended up wiggling in because I was basically a point punt and, but I had some other things working for me. Um, I almost made the finals with just field goal, free throw, turnover, steals, and blocks. I, I, my, my opponent in the semifinal was 50, was 50 points higher in free throw than they usually were and beat me. Like, but you can pull it off if, if you're getting all of that other stuff. So I don't love, I don't, don't love those guys there, but I would take Shea in a heartbeat For sure. now. And Halliburton's obviously proved himself. Um, you can win with with Steph if he's healthy from that position. I had a league I did re- a couple that I did really well in with with him as my first guy. So I'm not absolutely adverse, but if I'm picking a guard, his field goal percentage better be near 50, and he better give me threes and a high free throw percentage with volume he has to have over a steal he ha- like you know you just like if he can fill it up at anywhere and i can balance it out sure but the, 
the the safest way to do it is massive volume up front. Like it's it's always going to be that as much volume as you can get up front. So you're not going to go for those points got the the non points guys like Halliburton, so to speak, who's lower than the others you're taking in that range, just because his volume isn't going to hold up the way. And so it's it's all it's volume. You have to have the batching volume. And that's why once you have it established, you can go with anybody sure. else later on. Yeah, the uh, it sounds like you're never going to draft Trey Young. <laughs> there are players I will never ever have. Yeah, yeah. I'm just over the course of this conversation, it's starting to become clear of just like I'm. I can't imagine there's going to be many uh, in Roto specifically. There's gonna, not going to be any. Uh, like Giannis's or any of these just like huge percentage drains in one way or the other. Well, I mean, you can't take Giannis. You can't take Luca. You can't yeah. like there, there are a ton of guys that really hurt in different ways that, um, you know, yeah, maybe in your two and three picks, you can make up that difference and regain some balance, but why not just have the balance to begin with exactly. and create, bounty other places (laughs) rather than you know catching up yeah yeah that was the thing that i really i've struggled with when i was putting drafts together is i would i would set myself up where i gotta i have to do the dance you know of like well i have uh i've got a hole here because i i went too hard to maximize well i took trey young so like i have maximized points threes free throws assists but i've put myself so far behind that I've got to bring in Rudy Gobert and then I've got to deal with his free throw shit. And then you just, you end up just like completely tying yourself in a pretzel because you, you, you've set yourself off balance from the beginning. And I think, yeah, having that, the do not draft list is wise. I I mean, the key is just don't end up in that position. Like, you, you know, Gobert may look great at pick 30, but he will destroy your free throw percentage no matter where you take him. And this is outside of fantasy, but he's a terrible basketball player. (laughs) He he can barely catch the ball. I know. I know. (laughs) If he weren't 7-2, it wouldn't matter, you know, but you're right. He's a guy who's like completely predicated on being a giant. And, you know, there, there are those players who have fantasy value, but not real world value. And I really want them on my team. I just can't, just, I just can't do it. If I know they're that bad and they still have fantasy value, it's just, it's really hard to do. I don't even think I have anybody, unless you want to count Killian Hayes or Josh Akogi, who, um, you know, don't look like good basketball players. Hey guys, all right. Yeah, well, at least no, no. Sorry, good. my I'm on my laptop, and um, so yeah, it definitely Mickey Mouse this one. I'm running out of battery, so I'm gonna have to, you know. <laughs> so just in case we we get cut off or anything like that, um, but we, you know yeah. we're running over an hour. But uh, I want to thank you guys for for joining me, Kimball. Congrats again. Um, I'm getting the trophy made for you right now, so you should expect it in in a few weeks. You mean it's a real? It's a real trophy. trophy. It's uh, it's pretty awesome actually. I've been. It's been. Awesome. It's been over thirty years, I think, since I've won a <laughs> trophy. So yeah, it's good stuff. Um, 
I definitely, I yeah. definitely want to, you know, let, let's continue this conversation or let's talk again in the summer, like when we start prepping and things like that, because yeah. I think, um, yeah. I think you have a lot of like good and insightful stuff, you know, to, from your experiences and, and things like that. And I think a lot of people would appreciate your perspective. Um, I definitely have some head to head, you know, thoughts and questions, you know, right now. Um, but I, I know we don't have any time, so I apologize again. Um, congrats again. Thank you. Thank you. And I will yeah, say, go for it. Yeah. Quick caveat. I do think efficiency works better for Roto than it does for head to head. There are still head to head issues, but, um, just, to, just in case anyone listening is like, I'm going to go do that and it's going to be, <laughs> like, there are, there are issues that will crop up. It's not foolproof. It's it's more foolproof sure. than Roto. No, nah, Matt. Thank, thanks again. Thanks, Joel. Thanks, Kimball. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll get this going again. So I apologize again for all the Mickey Mouseness of this, of this time. No, no, we're all good. We're all good. I started with Razzball back in the day. I'm still here. So for life, for life. Happy to have you. Uh, congrats, Michael. All right. All right. Thanks a lot. Thanks all for right, having me. Take it easy, me. guys. Later. Take care, everybody. All right. See ya.